Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. We're glad you've joined us to listen to a message from our pastor, Ashley Ellison. We believe God's Word is powerful and that it can be applied to our lives so that we may live victoriously. Let's join Pastor Ashley now as he shares the Word with us. Well, I tell you, this series that we have been in, I have loved it. I just got to tell you, I've loved this series, and here's why. It's helped me see that we have an ability to live a wonderful life every day, every second. God made that possible, and God said we could have it, so why not just have it? But God said we could have a wonderful life. Why why not? I mean, sometimes I I know that I've been guilty of this. I look at someone else's life and I think, man, they got a wonderful life. And the same reason that they have the wonderful life that I'm watching is the exact reason I can have it. And so I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm done being defeated by the enemy and not having what God said was mine. And, and we get to choose. We get to choose it. God's not choosing for you. He already did. He sent his son so that you can have a wonderful life. He did everything to pay for you to have a wonderful life. Why not take it? Why not enjoy it? When you live life based on what God made possible, your second birth, if you will, you just have a different view daily of everything. I got to tell you this last month, and and really it was been since December, Chapman started dreaming about this series and sharing it with Melanie and I and some of the staff. And and we just, as we talked about it, I just, I couldn't get out of my head that a wonderful life was not just for George Bailey. And we, a lot of times we see somebody go through something and then they come out the other side. And we're like, man, wow, that, that's just so wonderful. Praise God for them. Yeah. And, but oh me, nobody knows what I have to deal with. See, your second birth makes you a Christian. A, a little Christ, they call them Christians, a little Christ. It's just a, a term that was given to God's people because they were acting like Jesus. Because they were going around doing what Jesus said they could go around and do. And that second birth gives you a different life. And there should be a life that God has for you based on what you were birthed to have. Everybody gets that in the physical. You know, you're born in Missouri. You're born a boy or you're born a girl. You're not born one of the hundred other genders. You're born a boy or a girl, and, and, and as you're born, there are certain things that you just start to realize, oh, I'm a boy. <laughs> and and we help here at this church to tell them that. <laughs> you're a girl. You, you have things that we understand as we grow up that because we were birthed physically that are ours. I mean, that we can, we can have. I, I know that my kids had something because they were in my family. They didn't have the same things that were available in your family. And if you're not careful, kids will start looking at other families and be jealous of what they have. Wait, wait, you're in this family. Here's what we have available. I know they go out to eat every night. We don't. Or maybe you're the family that goes out to eat every night and 
and you're, you're looking at them going, well, they have to stay home every night. Or you're looking at them going, I just wish we could stay. I wish my wife could cook. I mean, you know, that was not a reflection on my wife. I'm not, that's what. But this last month and a half, I'm not kidding. I've got up in the morning. I've just, when I wake up and I'm excited about my day. Today, I should not have been excited. I had, it was, today was tax day for me. And I mean, most people are like, oh, I was thrilled because I was prepared. I'd done what I was supposed to do and I went in and I'm, everything's good. And I'm, I'm just like, I got to pinch myself sometimes. I was sitting in the office with Chapman. We were talking. And I said, do you ever just feel like you need to pinch yourself? Is this really me? Now, that's not being bragging. I'm just saying that when you start living based on your second birth, you can't really harm a Christian living on a second birth. You, you just get, there's not something you can do to them because their life is they're excited about their day because it's going to be lived based on a second birth. And I get up and I just say thank you, God. I I, I just really do. My my wife laying right there beside me when I get up, and who loves me for whatever reason she does. I look in the mirror and I go. Wow. Man, it's a miracle. She loves me. A warm house, coffee, Bible readings, friends. I mean, we get to have a Super Bowl party. I mean, how many of y'all having a Super Bowl party this Sunday? I mean, and our team's in. And I just sit here and I think, you know, my life is the inning of a Hallmark movie. But let me say that there are not things that I'm not aware of that I could have a different view based on things that happen in my life. Uh, I mean, a little back pain every once in a while. I don't know if anybody's ever had any back pain. Because the older you get, you still think you can lift what you could lift 20 years ago. And all of a sudden, they, you, you still lift it, but there's consequences. Stiffness, cold outside, a few weeks ago, water froze, cows got to be fed again. But everything I just listed, and you, you can come up with a whole list of things that are going on, are all things that are sourced from outside of your person. See, they're all things that happen outside of you that, that because you're here, you can go take care of it. But my second birth gave me a different set of things from another dimension that if I'm aware of and thinking about, I can live different. And it's hard because just I know I'm getting ready to teach parenting, and the more I'm looking in and studying it, what can I say to help these parents? Because, I mean, I get up in the morning, and I just have to get me ready. But some of you parents got kids, and some of y'all crazy ones have like seven, eight of them. And, and, it, and it all, no, you're not crazy. I mean, that just, I can't imagine that. And so you're trying to get ready. They're trying to get, and, and, and I understand church starts at 1030 for your families for a reason. I mean, that, we got lots of time, but y'all get up and get to school at 8 o'clock. And I'm sitting here going, okay, that has to be tough sometimes. When you have one child in your house that's sick, 
And you know, very seldom do they all get sick and you just get through it all at once. It's like one gets sick and down here the next week this one does. And then this one, once again, if you've got seven or ten, you've got a month or two of this. And it's tough. And I, I understand it. There's, but all of that are things that happen outside of you that are trying to affect the wonderful life that you want to live. And it's all, if you're not careful, all the outside stuff starts coming in. And before long, it can become full of a bunch of stuff. And you think, I have a horrible life. I've talked to parents. Every counseling session I've had, in the last 20 to 25 years, which we've been teaching parenting before the church started, through the church going, every counseling session is always derived from someone who thinks their life is miserable in a certain area. I've never had someone, I need some counsel because my life's just wonderful. <laughs> Nobody ever says that. I need some help because my life, I, Pastor, I got to tell you, I've got the most wonderful life. I just need to sit down and I need some counsel to get through it. I, that doesn't ever happen. And I hope that you're getting what I'm talking about because we can't get caught up on seeing everything from just a physical five senses standpoint. Many just only look at their life and they deem it wonderful or horrible based on whatever happens to them on a day-to-day -day basis. And when we get caught up seeing only things from a physical outlook, you can know you're only looking at life based on your first birth. And we're good at that. That's why the Bible talks so much about dying to the flesh, about bringing thoughts captive. I mean, there's so many scriptures, and I can talk about all those tonight, but we can just look at a baby and go, you know what? I mean, I, I walked in and all of, I'm just watching all of, and she's always going to be a source of me talking because she's right here beside me on the front row. But I mean, during worship, bouncing, having a great time, and, and she looks over at me and I, <laughs> you know, and just having a a wonderful time in daddy's arms, and then the music slows down, and he quits moving. And, and, and then she's looking like, I'm getting ready to let one out. <laughs> I've seen that with all kids. Kids cry when physical things happen, when they have a dirty diaper. A cry takes place. You change the diaper, and you think everything's wonderful until you try to walk away and do something. And then there's another, see, they're, they're always, they're all, you can walk in and some per people can make a baby laugh and other ones walk in and I mean, they're screaming bloody murder. Well, two different people, neither one of them were planning on doing anything harmful or just, they just one of y'all look funny and the other one looks scary. I, something happens based on an outside, from a baby's standpoint, it's always something on the outside. And so what do we do, mamas? We pray, God, please just, just make them happy. What are we saying? Make the outside things that I'm doing, bouncing them, whatever I'm doing, make their life better than it is right now. And that doesn't change until your second birth. Here's the sad part. A lot of people get saved and they still live life miserable because they don't understand there's a wonderful life available for them. And so 
When we start living on our second birth, we start getting a grasp on time spent with God. Because second birth only happens and it derives from God and you coming into his presence, you accepting what he did for you, and that happens internally, not externally. That's why there's a big concern during a lot of different moves of God in, in certain situations growing up. You know, there's a lot of people that got saved at vacation Bible school or different things, but they got saved because of the external sights that they were seeing of all their friends. And so they just did something. I mean, I've, I've counseled a lot of people. Well, I went down and gave my heart and life to Jesus because my buddy did. Well, do you know what you did? No, I have no idea. I just did it because my buddy did. And so that's an external. And so we think we can get something from God externally when it derives everything from internal. And so I, I just, I've got to make sure, and I'm talking to a lot of the choir tonight, but it's really important that we get it. It should become habitual for us to know that the only way you're going to have any measure of wonderful is to understand that God provides that internally. And then it goes out and affects the external. Some people think their life is wonderful because every comfort is met in their physical life. Now, now, think this through. Some people think their life is wonderful. Every comfort's met in my physical life. I've got money. I'm still married. I've, I have kids. They're not in jail. They're, I've got, and so all the things that I kind of wanted are kind of here. And so I have, I guess I have a wonderful life. But when something happens to one of those things, my question is, does your life turn miserable? Or is it still wonderful? See, you got to ask yourself that question. Wonderful life is growing and knowing God every day better than you did the day before. Now, I'm going to talk about this tonight. Everyday life should bring comfort to you because of Him, not because of stuff but because of him. We've got to work on knowing God more. Chapman talked about this a couple weeks ago. He made the comment that in the life of a Christian, one of the worst things that can happen is to be in the same place this year as you were a year ago. See, you're not growing. And, and I want to challenge you a deeper thought there. A lot of times you might say, well, I've been in church, so I know more than I did last year. Yeah, but do you know him more? than you did last year. So I, I want each of us to have a wonderful life. And I've determined the only way that we, we are going to have and live in a wonderful life is to know him more and to know him better and more and better. Um, I'm pretty excited because next Wednesday we start a new series on Ephesians. And so I, I'm going to start tonight with a verse from Ephesians and I'm not going to give all of what we're getting ready to talk about in Ephesians, but I want to give a little excitement for the study that's getting ready to come up next week. But Ephesians 1.17, and you don't have to turn there, Paul is praying for God's people. 
And Paul prays that people would grow in their knowledge of God. Psalm 115, verse 1, I'm going to start there tonight. But before I, before I read this, let me start by giving you a quote from a famous preacher. This famous preacher said, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Chew on that for just a second. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes to your mind when you think about God? Psalm 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name goes all the glory. For your unfailing love and faithfulness, why let the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens, and he does as he wishes. Their idols are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but they don't hear, noses. Uh, you just, they can't smell. They have hands but can't feel, feet but can't walk, throats but can't make a sound. And those who make idols to anything in your life externally are just like them. They're just like them. Those who make idols are just like them, as are all who trust in them. I've, I have thought about and thought about the fact that God's people make idols to things other, they idolize things in this life. And when that thing they're idolizing falls apart, you know, people will idolize sports. And when their team fails, I mean, they're going into depression for a week or two. What, what, so what, what caused that? Because they become just like them. They're looking for an idol to do something that well, that idol will never do. And then their life becomes, they were looking for their life to be something that it's never going to become. Because an idol will never do anything for you. You'll become just like it. And I thought this verse is a great way for us to understand you're not going to know God more when you put something before him. All those who make idols can only do what the idol does. Nothing out of the natural. Jesus said, for eternal life, Jesus prayed this in John 17, 3. This is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. If you have eternal life, come on, if you're saved today, you have eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ, and you did that, you had, you can go back to the point where you said, okay, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that he died on the cross for me, and I've confessed with my mouth that he is Lord, believed in my heart that God raised him from the dead, and I, I want to be saved, and I'm saved. And you've said that, you believe that with all that you are, then John 17, 3, if you have eternal life, you've got to have came to know God. You have to come to know God. That's eternal life. Yet there's another sense in which we need to know God far more deeply than what we did the day we got saved. See, there's an excitement about the day you got saved because you came to know God. But that's not a one-time event. That's a start of a process the rest of your life where you come to know him more 
and more and more and more. After 25 years as a believer, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, a lot of scripture tonight, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I don't care how it happens, Paul's saying, but I'm going to experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection which Christ Jesus first possessed me. It was true of Paul, who wasn't exactly an average believer. I mean, he just wasn't. If it was true for him, how much more true is it for us? Hosea 6.3, oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. So that you might know him, but then you press on to know him more. You press on to know him more and more and more. You did not arrive when you got saved. You got started when you got saved. And if you just think that salvation is a rival, then you're probably experiencing some misery in life. But if salvation was the start to growing every day in more knowledge of him, then you'll find yourself having an excitement about the life you live. Even on tax day. Most people think because God has done all of this, I, I probably ought to choose heaven. Since, since he did all of this for me, I probably ought to get saved. And a lot of people get saved because they can go to heaven and not hell. And people live frustrated at this life because they were only born again to get into heaven, not to bring heaven here. It was just to get there. See, once again, they've never really moved from seeing an excitement and enjoy a thrill about life and having a wonderful life from an internal, they've, they're still viewing everything externally. And so if you got saved just to go to heaven, you're still living externally. I understand that that's a need for people to go to heaven, but there's so much more. I've got four or five things here real quick. God did all of this so we could press on to know him more. So to know him more, number one, to have a wonderful life, you need to pray. Now, I'm, everybody's going to go, well, obviously, I know that, Pastor. You don't know someone more if you're not talking to them, if you're not visiting with them, if you're not spending time with them. Prayer allows you to do that. For a wonderful life, we often pray, Lord, heal me of this illness. Give me this job. Help me to do well in school. I got a test coming up. Please let me say the right thing to this girl because she sure is cute. I mean, all of these things we start thinking about. And so we're praying and we're asking God to help us. And while there's nothing wrong with these prayers, even though they're kind of shallow, we also ought to be praying, Lord, give me a spirit of wisdom of revelation, and knowing you and knowing you more. Give the same for my spouse. Give the same for my kids. Give the same for my church members. Give the same. I want all of us to be knowing you more and growing in knowledge of you. See, but, 
But we're just all caught up on, oh, I got a pain in my back right now. And again, nothing wrong with that prayer. But when are you praying, God, help me know you more? I want to know you more. Paul's prayer teaches us that we should pray that God would grant that his people know him more. We shouldn't just be praying that we'll know him more, but that God's people do. It's a big deal. Christianity is a personal relationship with a living God. Personal relationships don't run on autopilot. They just don't. It's easy to have an exciting relationship when you first fall in love. I get that. It's just, it's easy. You can think of something to say because you can say stupid things and they think it's funny. I mean, there's just so much excitement about it. But it takes deliberate effort to keep your marriage close and growing over time. Because the things you used to say stupid, they'll call you on it now. That used to be funny. See, the same thing's true in your relationship with the Lord. When you first come to Christ, it's new and exciting, but it's easy to lose that first love for Christ and grow distant in your relationship with him. It becomes a routine, and I'm just doing the same thing. I get up and go to church every week, go to church every week, but you're not growing anymore in him. You just kind of, he's an outside source that you know you kind of need him. Christianity is more than just salvation and then putting your relationship on autopilot. All right, number two, for the wonderful life, for you to have the wonderful life, to know him more, there needs to be blessings and awareness of blessings. There needs to be blessings. Have you ever heard, well, bless you, bless you. Sometimes that happens after a sneeze, bless you. But that's not the only blessing I want. See, and if you don't know the blessings of God, then you're probably not aware that they're for you. But the more you know him, the more you know there's blessings, and then you're aware of when they come. And you're aware that they're there, and you're aware that they've been paid for for you. What are blessings? Blessings are God's favor and protection. That's If you want to write now, what is a blessing? It's a thing of happiness. It's a thing of welfare from God for your well-being, for your favor, for your protection. So all spiritual blessings are God's favor and his goodness for your life. His blessings are his goodness. And he does good because he's in relationship with you. Have you ever received a gift from somebody that you're like, oh, that was so nice. Why was it so nice? Because you saw that that was a favor placed upon you. God's blessings are a favor and a protection on your life. And so you've got to recognize blessings. Number three, and I'm going to go through these really quick here because we're about done. Spiritual blessings come from God, so we must ask him for them, and we've got to fight with him for them. See, spiritual blessings come from God. You've got to be aware of that. And if you're aware of his blessings and you know that they're there for you, you've got to ask him for them. And when you ask him for them, and he already said they're yours, why wouldn't he give it to you? Well, sometimes it's not that easy because we have an enemy that's trying to keep you from getting it. I'd love to watch football and they just hear, here you go, and then run right down, and nobody opposed them getting the ball and running right down to the end zone, except for it'd be kind of boring, wouldn't it? No, it's, we're in a game. We're in a, a feud. We're in something, and I'm telling you, I want God fighting for me. I want to fight and do my part. He'll do his. And then we're going to do what's necessary to get to the blessings that are ours. 
James 4.2, if you've not written this down, you need this. You have not because you ask not. We have not because we ask not. A lot of times you're like, well, I've just been waiting for this blessing. Well, have you asked him for it? You're waiting for something. How about saying, God, I need something. God, I know that your word says this, and I'm standing, and I'm proclaiming, and I'm going to get this in Jesus' name because it's mine. Have not because we ask not. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Hunger and thirst are pretty strong desires. They really are. When a man's hungry, let me just say, when Ashley's hungry, when he's thirsty, he has only one thing on his mind. And my wife says, do you think about anything else? And I said, not when I'm hungry or thirsty. (laughs) I'm trying, I'm trying. But see, a man knows that he'll die unless he don't get that fed real quick. I mean... That's not going, it's not going to be good. You don't want to be around me. I'm hungry. There's got to be some men and women of God that are hungry enough to feed from him and get some righteousness in their life and recognize that that's good and it produces. Luke 10 Verse 21, at the same time, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he said, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the Son except the Father, and no one truly knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. If you want to know him, you've got to lay your pride, your your worldly wisdom, all of your intelligence, and approach him as a child, as an infant, and trust. And ask him, reveal yourself to me, God. Reveal yourself to me. Maybe you're thinking, well, God, God, doesn't he love everybody unconditionally? Let me answer this question tonight, because this might set your mind at ease to something that the world don't understand. Why does Jesus say that he will love the one who obeys him if he loves everybody exactly the same? Whoa, 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 whoa. See, wait, wait. Jesus said he will love the one who obeys him. That sounds like a conditional love, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. I, let's just talk practicality here. I mean, that. Why, why does he say that? There's a general sense in our world in which God loves the entire world and sent his son, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life, obviously, John 3.16. But there is also a special intimate love that is reserved for those who obey him. There's more. Love can grow. It can be more. It's only to those in this close love-trust relationship that he reveals himself more. Think about that. We understand this principle from our relationships. You only disclose your heart to those whom you trust. If you walk up to a stranger and start revealing personal matters, he's going to rightly think you're weird. Intimate, personal disclosure or an openness is reserved for those who know you well. Come on. That just makes sense. That's reserved for a special person. 
that's trustworthy with that information. That same thing is true spiritually with God. I want to be trustworthy. I know he is. Come on, you can tell him anything you want. I get that. Can he tell you some things that you need spoken to you supernaturally because he knows you that well? Well, he knows you inside and out, but yeah, but are you trustworthy with the things of God? Last one, if faith and love come from God, we should thank him in our prayers and our praise and our attitude for faith and love that comes from him. Faith and love in itself all come from him. You can't have faith without him because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So if you understand that, the word was his, so you can't have faith without him. You can't have love without him. The Bible says love your enemies. You can't do that based on your first birth. It takes a second birth. Faith and love, we need to thank him for the word, which allows us to hear different from the world based on our second birth. If you're a second birth person, if you're a Christian here today, then you have an ability to access faith and love because both of them come from him. And what's really cool, all, pray goes, all praise goes to God that all of this is even possible. You can't, we can't be a faith church without growing in a knowledge of him. We can't have faith in our own. He is what makes faith and love possible. And the reason why we got a bunch of Christians walking around frustrated, mad, not operating in faith, not operating in love because they're not growing in knowledge of him, to know him more. Most of us will be quite content to hear of other believers who are living by faith in Jesus and loving all the saints without us having to do it ourselves. Well, I'm really happy you're doing that. Good job. But we're not doing it ourselves. See, after, after all this, this is virtually a summary, this whole thing of the two greatest commandments, love God and love your neighbor. What more could you ask for? All right, I got to end this because I'm past tonight, but we, we did a lot of the things. My whole point to this thing, this whole series and ending it tonight, we've got to learn to live by our second birth. We just got to learn to live by our second birth for the wonderful life. And in doing that, there is a continual growth in your relationship. There's a continual growth in knowing him more. Without being in his word, without spending time in prayer, without hanging out with other believers, without asking him for the ability to know him more, and without praying for others to know him more, without recognizing his blessings, without asking him for his blessings, you're not going to have the wonderful life that God has for you. It's sad because you could. But we did a whole series on talking about here's how the wonderful life is available. And I want to end it with this. This was an inclusive series, and now you know everything you do to get it. Nope, because tomorrow you got to know him more. And then the next day you got to know him more. And then tomorrow you got to know him more. And next year, this church, come on, God's people, if we've got this vision, next year this church will not be where we are right now. We'll be at a different place than we are because we know him more. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.